Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Lavender Water Podcast. This is your host, Matthew Williams, and today I am being joined by a special guest. His name is Terry Tucker, and he's come here to talk to us today about his journey through dealing with cancer and resiliency. How you doing today? I'm good, Matthew. How are you? I'm fine. I'm a little tired. I work third shift, so uh, this is like a continuation of my job. I remember those days. I used to work third shift when I was a policeman in Cincinnati, so I, I, I feel your your pain right now. So it's funny you addressed that off the rip because when we exchanged numbers, I noticed the 513, and I also gave you a 513 number. I was born and raised in Cincinnati. What part, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, well, I was born at the Children's Hospital in Avondale. The family lived downtown. We moved to Avondale. Uh, I lived there for like eight years. I uh, lived in Clifton, St. Bernard, the west side. Um, spent a lot of time in the east side, downtown, uptown, all around. I'm I'm just the mayor of Cincinnati. <laughs> That's great. Uh, yeah, I uh, I miss Cincinnati. It was it was a it was a good city. A lot of good people there, and you know I I, I was uh, my partner and I ran the Evanston Walnut Hills area when I was a policeman. Oh, that's uh, where my grandpa's stomping grounds were. Oh, really? Okay, small world, isn't it? Yeah, smaller town. <laughs> How do you like Atlanta? Oh man, it's I I really love it here. It it's uh it's basically Cincinnati with uh, I I always describe it to my friends as um it's like it's like those sisters and it's like Atlanta is Cincinnati's uh hotter older sister. <laughs> yeah. I I went to college in South Carolina and and played basketball whenever we would go you know, play Georgia Tech or something like that. It was always we were going to Hotlanta. You know, it was never Atlanta, so it was it, it was fun for us to get out and see the big city. Nice. So, um, what kind of cancer were you dealing with? Or I was dying. You... Go ahead. I'm oh, sorry. Because, uh, you know, I, we didn't really, uh, you know, I never really do like a, a pre, you know, thing. I always let it be natural. So all these questions come organically. Uh, so are you over the cancer? Are you still dealing with the cancer? Or Still dealing with the cancer. Uh, cancer started back in 2012. So it's been 10 years now, a little over 10 years now that I've been dealing with this. I was, uh, we were living in Texas at the time and I, I was a, uh, girls basketball high school basketball coach and i had a callus break open on the bottom of my foot right below mm. my third toe and you know initially i didn't didn't think much of it because you know as a coach you're on your feet a lot but after a few weeks of it not healing i went and made an appointment and uh, saw a podiatrist a foot doctor a friend of mine and he took mm. an x-ray and he said terry i think you have a little cyst in there and i can cut it out and he did, and he showed it to me. It was just a little gelatin sack with some white fat in it, no dark spots, no blood, n nothing that gave either one of us concern. But fortunately or 
unfortunately, he sent it off to pathology to have it looked at. And then two weeks later, I received a call from him. And as I mentioned, he was a friend of mine. And the more difficulty he was having explaining what was going on, the more frightened I was becoming until finally he just laid it out for me. He said, Terry, I've been a doctor for 25 years. I have never seen the form of cancer that you have. You have a rare form of melanoma that appears on the bottom of the feet or the palms of the hands. And because your cancer is so rare, he recommended that I go to MD Anderson Cancer Center, which is probably one of the best, if not the best cancer center, certainly in the United States, if not the world, uh, to be treated. And so that, that started my 10-year journey through cancer. Hmm. Well, um, I guess this is a good time. Or it's, it's okay. So basically, um, I lost a brother to cancer. Uh, he was seven years old when he passed away. Uh, this was 2014. Um, I believe he had started dealing with it in 2012. Um, it was really bad. Um, there was a Make-A-Wish trip to Disney, Disneyland or Disney World, the one in Orlando. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, that was like the summer of 2014, and then by like the fall of 2014, he passed away. Well, do you remember what type of cancer he had? Uh, I don't remember the name, but I remember uh, that it affected everywhere that there wasn't bone, I believe. So it was like everywhere. Um, there was like a point where they said he was cancer free and then uh, it came back. Yeah, that's that, that's the terrible thing about cancer. And, and it, it, it secretes a protein that hides itself from your immune system. And that's why it, it proliferates. It, it, you know, it, it expands and, and goes everywhere and and because your body doesn't recognize it as something that is foreign and that shouldn't be there so it doesn't attack it um as a matter of fact right now i am on a clinical trial i i have tumors in my lungs now um Mm. i'm on a clinical trial that does nothing to the cancer but what it does is it unmasks um it, it removes that protein so that my body can say, oh, hey, that's cancer. That doesn't belong here. We should go, you know, my immune system should go attack it. And and I'm having some success. It's it's keeping the cancer stable. Uh, I still have tumors in my lungs and that. Um, but, I mean, you know, for right now, I'll, I'll, I'll take anything I can get. Right. Man, this is a heavy conversation for the morning. Uh, I appreciate you coming through and uh, sharing. No, hey, I... I appreciate you doing this after working all night. So, uh, it's, it's really no thing. You kind of get used to being a zombie after a while. <laughs> You're right. I'll I'll kind of pick up from where I left off with with you know being treated at MD Anderson and kind of give you the rest of the story. I I had uh, initially had uh, a surgery to remove the tumor on the bottom of my foot and then another surgery to remove all the lymph nodes in my left groin uh, because they had done a, a biopsy and, and there was one of the lymph nodes that had a microscopic amount of cancer. So they recommended that I have all the lymph nodes removed. So I did. 
Um, and then when I healed, my, my oncologist, my cancer doctor, put me on a weekly injection of a drug called interferon to help keep the disease from coming back. It was not a cure. It was just really a, we're going to try to hold the disease off until more treatments are available. Um, and the side effects of interferon for me were that it gave me severe flu-like symptoms for two to three days every week after each injection. And I took those weekly injections for almost five years. So imagine having the flu every week for five years. And like I said, that was not a cure. That was, we're just trying to keep the disease from coming back. 2017, um, so five years after starting the interferon, I ended up in the intensive care unit because of the toxicity of the drug. Uh, with a body temperature of 108 degrees, which usually is not compatible with being alive. Fortunately, yeah. I had gone to a, a level one trauma center, and they were able to stabilize me before sending me to the intensive care unit. So because of the toxicity, I had to stop the drug. Uh, and that almost immediately after stopping the interferon, the cancer came back in the exact same spot on my foot where it had presented five years earlier. Uh, that was 2017. 2018, I had my left foot amputated because of the disease. The cancer worked its way up my leg um, into my shin in 2019, requiring two more surgeries. And then in 2020, I had an undiagnosed tumor in kind of in my ankle area that grew large enough that it fractured my tibia, my shin bone. Um, and my only recourse in the middle of the COVID pandemic was to have my left leg amputated above the knee. And that's when I found out I had the tumors in my lungs. And initially, I was, you know, I was in pretty bad shape. I was coughing up green phlegm. I, you know, it was bloody. I, I was having a hard time breathing. And my oncologist suggested that I go on chemotherapy. And initially, I did not want to do that. I was like, you know, I was eight years into this cancer battle. I was like, look, I've had a good fight. I'm not afraid to die. And he's like, no, really, I think you got to try it because I think it, it can buy you some more time. And so I did, and that led to being on the clinical trial that I'm on now. Well, that's good that you took that step. Yeah, I mean, chemotherapy was, was pretty rough. I mean, it, it messed with my blood counts. It, you know, made me very tired. I, I, I was told I would lose my hair. I, I did not. Um, you know, my oncologist said, you know, some people lose their hair, some people don't. Um, I, I, so I didn't, I didn't lose my hair, but it, it was very hard on my body. You know, it made me tired. It uh, made me nauseous. It, you know, I didn't have much of an appetite and things like that. So um, I did that, uh, I don't know, for maybe a, a year or two. And then my oncologist said, hey, look, I, I've got this other drug combination that's a trial but I think it might help you. Do you want to, you know, you want to take a shot at it? And, you know, I mean, that's, that's, you know, you know, chemotherapy is working to a point and then you make the decision, well, I'm going to stop it. And I'm going to try this experimental drug that we don't know what's going to happen. And, you know, that, that was a, that was not a decision that I made lightly because I wasn't sure I really wanted to, you know, do, do I want to be the guinea pig, so to speak? Hmm. 
This kind of reminds me of, uh, you ever read the book uh, Think and Grow Rich? Yes. So you know the uh, the little segment where it's talking about uh, the guy, his son is born without ears, and it's like off the rip, he's like, my son is going to hear. So it's like he really dedicated a lot of his time to, you know, having his son close to him to feel the vibration of his voice so he would understand it. And then, you know, feeding his subconscious mind, you know, the blueprint. And then the child was successful, you know, went through high school, no problem. And then in college, there was this trial of uh, this experimental, like, over-the-ear kind of, like, headset for hearing and, uh, you know, they, I think, like, he went through, like, two or three of these kind of, like, uh, trials before, like, the one actually came through that worked for him, and then it, you know, it went and helped other people. But, uh, you know, at the time that he was born, no such technology existed, but he believed so much that it was possible that it was possible. And, you know, I think uh, in, in moments like this, uh, faith and you know just keep just keeping up the good fight you know it does a lot for the human spirit you're absolutely right it, it it really does and and i think so much of uh you know what we deal with you know we it affects our physical body but it's really our our mind or as you, you know our mindset that is something we have to to really concentrate on i remember when i was growing up i'm I think it's safe to say that I'm, I'm probably significantly older than you are, but when I was growing up, there was a basketball coach at Indiana University by the name of Bobby Knight. And, and Knight had a saying that said, mental is to physical as four is to one. And so here's this great coach teaching, you know, premier athletes to use their bodies to be great basketball players but what he was really saying with that quote is that your mind or your mindset is four times more important, you know, than anything your physical body is ever going to do. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's hard to, uh, I think in a lot of cases, especially when your body is hurting, it's hard to keep that mental resiliency. It's hard to stay focused and stay positive because, you know, pain kind of tends to, to rob you of your ability to, you know, to be strong, to, to be resilient, to hang in there. And it's just, it's just something you got to work at. And it, it's not an easy thing. And, and a lot of people don't do it or can't do it, but I, it's something that I, I, I spend a lot of time focusing on, you know, the mental aspects of cancer. I can't do anything about the physical aspects, you know, where I have cancer, the drugs that I'm getting, how those drugs are affecting my body are things that I really don't have any control over, but I have control over my mind. I used to tell my basketball players when I was coaching them that, you know, the only two things that you have real control over in, in, in any circumstance in life are your attitude and your effort. And so I spent a lot of time trying to stay positive. And, you know, I, I made a decision early on when I got cancer that I would not take this out on a doctor or a nurse or, you know, somebody that was trying to help me because it wasn't their fault I got cancer. But, you know, there were days where you just feel, you feel terrible. And, you know, you, you don't want to be polite. You don't want, I mean, you want to lash out. And so it, it takes a lot of mental fortitude, for lack of a better word, for, you know, to kind of 
stay positive and, and, and be kind to the people that are trying to help you. Are you familiar with the serenity prayer? I am. Then, yeah, then, yeah, you you definitely uh, exemplify what's going on with that, yeah. Because, um, yeah, it sounds like your battle is really difficult. It sounds like at every twist and turn there was something new affecting you. But here you are today telling people, informing people, spreading awareness, and here, 10 years in. I know. It, it, it's definitely something, you know, melanoma, when I was diagnosed 10 years ago, was almost a death sentence. I mean, there, there really were not a lot of treatments to help people with melanoma. And people don't realize how serious the disease is. And, I, you know, I, I remember when I started on this clinical trial, I started on it with two other people. Now, we didn't know each other initially because of of certain laws, you know, they're they're not allowed to tell, you know, tell you who else is on the drug and stuff like that. But we figured it out. We were at the doctor's office at the same time. We were getting treatment at the same time, and so we kind of became friends. And I uh, last year, those friends both died. Uh, their, their disease kind of came back, and uh, they they both passed away. So I'm I'm sort of the last man standing, sort of the standard bearer of all this. And I remember a couple of months ago, my oncologist showed me my CAT scan um, photos from back in 2020 when I had these tumors in my lungs. And, and, and I don't have any medical background in any way, but I kind of know what looks like it should be there and shouldn't be there. And, you know, I had these big tumors in my lungs and I had these uh, fluid all around the, the pleural spaces, the outside sort of of my lung. And I remember looking at my oncologist and I, I said, how, how was I alive? And he kind of smiled and shook his head. And he's like, I, I don't know, you know, which, which kind of says to me that I guess God's not done with me yet. It's not my time. So <laughs> yeah. I'll just keep going, you know, as long as I can. Well, I, I truly appreciate your presence today because, yeah, this is this is a really powerful story. Thank you. So what do you see where do you where do you see the future with with all this being said how do you where do you see life going how do you plan to just keep on living and you know making the most out of your life yeah, That's a great question I you know I guess at, at this point in my life you know I I really kind of I, I guess let me back up a little bit. When, when I graduated from college, my father was dying of cancer. He had um, breast cancer, which back in the 1980s, uh, for a man, they didn't really know how to treat breast cancer. And not to mention the fact that he had waited until he was in the final stage of the disease before going to see a doctor. So, you know, they pretty much sent him home to die. But he lived another three and a half years, and I believe he did because he had a purpose in life. He he worked in real estate, and so he worked up to two weeks before he died. And, and I sort of filed that in the back of my head, you know, figuring, well, someday it's going to be my turn in the barrel, so to speak, that I'm going to have to deal with, with sickness or disease or whatever it was. And, 
And, and so I, I, I just, I remembered that, you know, when I got sick, it's like, look, I could sit around and feel sorry for myself and lay in bed and think about what it's going to be like, you know, when I die and things like that. Or I can take whatever time I have left and make something positive out of that. So I have, I, I like to think I have done that. I have, I've probably been a guest on more than 500 podcasts all over the world where I've talked about, you know, this cancer journey that I've been on. I wrote a book in 2020 after I had my leg amputated um, mm. called Sustainable Excellence, the 10 Principles to Leading Your Uncommon and Extraordinary Life. I, I've just started a membership program around the book, um, and I'm thinking about writing another book. So I'm, I'm trying to put as much, I guess, goodness, positivity, you know, inspiration, love, whatever you want to call it, back into the world with whatever time I have left. So I, I, I don't know how, that, how that's going to be. Like I said, you know, I was in the same boat with two other people who passed away last year. I mean, that certainly could have been me just as well. But like I said, I guess God's not done with me yet. So I'll, I'll keep doing what I think he wants me to do. Hey, that's 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 a self-aware person right there. I I, I like that because uh, it's it's been a strong belief in my mind that no matter how young or old, people don't leave Earth until their purpose is fulfilled in some way, shape, or form. It may not be their personal, you know, goal for their purpose, but God's purpose for them, and you know. It's it's God's timing, and it's it's beyond us. And sometimes it's oh you you know, but it's it's part of the plan. And yeah, uh, we got to make the most of it while we're while we're here. And yeah, that's that's why we're here today. I I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I mean I I, but I've seen so many people that you know, the way I describe it is you know a lot of people live a casual life. And as a result of that casual living, their their goals, their dreams, you know, their aspirations become a casualty of sort of that unplanned living. And I, I, I don't think a lot of people spend time thinking about, you know, what's my purpose? You know, why did God put me on the face of this earth? And what am I supposed to do while I'm here? And, you know, a lot of times people just kind of muddle through life and then when it comes to the end of their life those seem to be the people that that want you know hey i, I want another month or another year or whatever and by then it's it, it's too late and you know I, I always tell especially young people when i when i speak that if there's something in your heart something in your soul that you believe you're supposed to do and it scares you that you should go ahead and do it because at the end of your life, the things that you're going to regret are not going to be the things you did. They're going to be the things you didn't do. And by then, it's going to be too late to go back and do them. So, you know, do those scary things. Do those, you know, things that make you uncomfortable, that make you nervous, that are potentially embarrassing. And, and do, do something every day that makes you uncomfortable. Because it's in doing those things that those small things every day that when the big things in life hit us and, you know, they hit us all. We lose somebody who's close to us. We get laid off from our job. We find out we have some kind of an illness or, you know, or, or a chronic disease. And, 
you know, we, we are like, hey, what, what do I do here now in that? So I, I think it's important for all of us to, to find our purpose in life and to live it. And, and I guess I'll end with this uh, or, or make this the last point here. A lot of times we think our purpose in life has to be our job, you know, what, what we do for a living. But it doesn't. I mean, our job, you know, could be something that's over here that we do to pay the bills, but our purpose is to to volunteer or to coach or to do a podcast or to write or or whatever it is in your heart. So I, I always suggest to people that they, they kind of follow their heart. And if they do, I don't think you're really going to go wrong. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Those those are good words, good, powerful words. Um Cause yeah, um, I got I got because it's like you know I'm I'm 31. I'll be well at the point of this the release of this podcast I I would have turned 32. So I'm 32. <laughs> um, but okay. it's like you know in, in the 30s, uh, a lot of my friends you know have already been you know here, and you know at this point a lot of my friends are married, having children, and now we're the adults. You know what I'm saying? We were the kids 10, 20 years ago. You know now we're the we're the parents we're the role models we're the world right now and a lot of my friends talk about their jobs really all they do and it's like you know me personally i don't think there's anything wrong with liking your job enjoying what you do for a living but like you said there's a life beyond the the workforce you know what i'm saying and i think it's because so much time is demanded at the workplace it becomes people's identities and it's like even with trying to build a brand and be an entrepreneur, it's like I understand because I'm living it how much time it takes up, but it's like at the same time, there's a separate entity of Matthew Williams from his clothing brand, from his whatever other venture, you know, and I like to keep it that way. It's like I don't want you to think about clothes every single time you see me. It's like, hey, I like TV shows or whatever. I like video games. Don't, I don't want to talk about clothes right now. That's that's the job, you know. Um, it's a fun job or whatever, but it's like, you know, at the end of the day, it's like there's a whole life outside of earning this money that's not worth anything in the wild, you know, where you can't go up to a rhinoceros like, don't kill me, I'll give you $100. You could, but I don't think the rhinoceros will take it from you. <laughs> right. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're you're absolutely right. I, I I mean, we spend a lot of time chasing things that, you know, I, I've always believed people were born to live an uncommon and extraordinary life, and that has nothing to do with you know how much money you make or what kind of car you drive or where you live. I mean, we're not all born with the same gifts and talents, but we all have the ability to become the best person that we're capable of becoming. And I think that's, that's an important distinction because people think that, well, if I have a lot of money or, you know, if I drive this kind of car or if I live in this area, then I, I've, I'm successful. I've arrived, I've made it, whatever you want to say. And, and that's not necessarily the case. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, 30 years older than you are. And I've seen a lot of people who spent their whole life focused on accumulating wealth or power or influence. And those people, in my mind, don't seem to be very happy with their lives. And, and to me, I, 
you know, there's nothing wrong with working towards a goal. There's nothing wrong with working towards your purpose. There, you know, and if you can find a purpose where you can get paid for it, oh my gosh, that's, you know, that's sort of the, you know, the, the, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. That, that would be great. But not everybody can do that, and that's okay. But we all have a reason, a purpose that, that we were put on this earth to do. And I think it's important for all of us to look for that purpose, to, to keep an open heart to, to do that. And then once we find it, to use our unique gifts and talents and live that purpose. So uh, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, so many people get caught up in, well, this is success. And, you know, we, we, we set goals in our lives. But what many of us fail to do is we don't set values first. You know, what do we believe in? What What is important to us? What's what's in our heart? What are we willing, you know, to give our lives for? And if once we've determined those things, it's a whole lot easier to set goals. But if we're just setting goals in a vacuum where we they, they're not being supported by what our values are, then those goals end up a lot of times being very empty. So it's, it's really... It's a really crazy uh, phenomenon of synchronicity right here where you said the foundation of it is setting your values and values and standards. And the very first episode of Lavender Water Podcast was called Values, where we talked about the things we value and, you know, people's relationship with what they view as success. Um, Because I remember in the sixth grade, I had this teacher, uh, Miss McKay, and I don't remember much of the school year with her, but I remember this one conversation she had with us and she was talking about uh, basically how where people attain the level that they think is success, and then when they get it, it's like, now what? Will you, what's the next thing? You know, because it's like success is a repeated act. It's continuous. It's not like you've arrived. It's not like I'm here now. I'm chilling. It's like, no, actually – it's more work when you get to that level of quote-unquote success because you have to maintain it, keep it going, and it has to keep getting bigger, and you have to keep working more to, you know. So it's like, you know, if 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 the BMW, the Mercedes-Benz is the goal, then it's like uh, you're, you're going to be unhappy when you have it because, yeah, it's, it's just right. the thing. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I, you know, people like, you know, my book is titled Sustainable Excellence. And people always ask me, well, how do you define excellence? And and my response is always, I can't. And they're like, wait a minute, you, you, you wrote a book called Sustainable Excellence. What do you mean you can't define it? And And what I try to explain to them is, you know, you and I, Matthew, may be looking at the same thing. And you may say, hey, that person or that thing is excellent. And I may say, oh, yeah, they're good, but I don't think they're excellent. So, you know, excellence kind of like beauty is in the eye of the beholder. I mean, we all have to define excellence for ourselves. So I can't give you a blanket definition that says, well, this is excellence. And then, you know, once you define what excellence is, once you achieve it, what do a lot of people do? They sort of sit back, put their feet up on the desks, you know, pour themselves a drink and they're like, Hey, I've arrived. Look at me. And then what happens? You know, six months or a year later, somebody passes them up because just as you said, 
And just as your teacher said to you, if you get excellence in order to sustain it, you have to continue to innovate. You have to continue to change. You have to continue to look at new ways to operate your business and to grow it. And if you're just doing the same old thing, well, somebody's going to figure out how you did that, and they're going to figure out a better way to do it, and they're going to surpass you. So I, I think your teacher was absolutely right, and it sounds like you you certainly learned a, a good lesson from that conversation with her that, you know, you, you can't just sit back once you think you've obtained what you want because, yeah, you're going to be very disappointed, and then all of a sudden somebody's going to be better than you, and, you know, you'll be, you'll be kind of licking their dust, so to speak, as they pass you by. Right. Yeah, basically the, the classic story of the, the tortoise and the hare, where the, the hare starts chilling in the middle of the race, like, oh, he's so slow, he could never catch up to me, takes a nap, loses the race, looking stupid. Yeah, I, I mean, and, and that's that's a great example of consistency. Just stay in the course. You know, I'm just going to hit it every day. I'm going to get better every day. There's a Jerry Rice was a San Francisco 49er football player, Hall of Famer. And uh, he had a great saying one day. Uh, I heard him talk and he said, uh, I want to make sure I get this right. He said, today I will do what others won't so that tomorrow I can do what others can't. And yeah. I think that's, you know, yeah, that's exactly what you were saying. You know, I mean, it's like, hey, I'm just, I'm going to do this today because you're, you're going to stay in. You're going to sleep in and have a good time. I'm going to be out here working. And then tomorrow when you need to be able to do this, you're not going to be able to, but I am because I was here putting in the time, putting in the work. So it's a good point. Yes, yes. Uh, I'm actually seeing stuff like that in my reality, where it's like, so it's like, you know, it, it it's kind of typical <laughs> that so many men want to be rappers. <laughs> so like 10 years ago, I was really trying to be a rapper. A lot of my friends were trying to be rappers. But the, the thing about it was like, I wasn't just rapping, but I was making the beats. I was recording myself. I was creating my own graphics and cover arts and stuff. And these are things that I saw that other artists couldn't do. Like, they just, it was, I just feel like I just need to be able to rap. Like, everyone else needs to take care of it for me. And it was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. So it was like 10 years later where it's like now I'm applying all these things that I learned from trying to be a rapper to graphic design and business and stuff. And then it's like associating with people from back then asking me how to do these things. They should have learned those 10 years ago. It was like, oh, man. We got NFTs and cryptocurrency out here. You're going to get eaten alive. Like, you got to learn this stuff. Like, it, you know, like, <laughs> it's it's not an easy thing to learn. Like, you, you, you had the time 10 years ago. Now we're 30. It's harder for us to learn things. We don't smoke and drink so much. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's getting different, you know. And, uh, yeah, it's just some people will have the edge because they take the extra time. Like uh, like stories about Kobe Bryant where they'll be like, oh, yeah, I got up at like, you know, 9 a.m., went to the gym. Kobe was leaving the gym. He he was already there. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> like, yeah, he was getting up early and dedicating more time and then fitting in more time in the day to train to get that edge. And then he was learning his opponents and 
you know, he was really mental about his craft, you know what I'm saying? So the casual person in that environment can't last. It can't possibly last when that person is that overly dedicated. You're right. I I, 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 I don't know if I mentioned this earlier. I, I played basketball in college, and, and my daughter got my height. And I remember in the summers, I, I would work out with her when I was a basketball coach. And, and we would get up, and we would – we, we had a rec, rec center that was close to our house. And so we would go to the rec center every morning and, you know, we'd be there at like, I mean, it wasn't even crazy early. I mean, you know, we'd be there at eight o'clock, say, you know, we'd had breakfast and all that kind of stuff. And, and we'd work out for two or three hours and we had the entire gym to ourselves. And there were so many times when I thought about what you just said, where it was like, where are all the other, you know, players that are wanting want to be good want to be good next year where are they are they sleeping in you know are, are they playing video games are they you know are they doing that kind of stuff while we're here in the gym working you know and a lot of times we leave at you know 11 11 30 maybe you know noon and all of a sudden well here here comes a few people they're they're coming in to, to work out now and it's like oh okay well hey our day's done we put in three or four hours in the gym you know how many how many days are you going to do this? Where you know and 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 as a result, our daughter got a, a scholarship to play basketball in college. So you know you you put in the time, not always, but a lot of times you're going to get the positive results that you want. Yes, sir. Yeah, I I, I believe that as long as you work towards something you'll build progress towards the goal. And if it's not the specific goal you want, you'll be redirected to something even better than you thought. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like what your, your rapper story is. You know, you, you didn't become a rapper, but you learned all these things that other people didn't learn. And now you're able to use that to help other people. I mean, that's, you know, you, some people might look and say, hey, I failed. Well, did you fail or did you learn? You know, if you learn things, then you didn't fail. Yeah, because, man, I, I can't say I can't say that I failed. <laughs> and I'm, I'm doing better things. I'm doing more constructive things now than I was 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. I, I think a lot of that comes with age and wisdom and maturity and that, you know, you, you learn what's important. You learn where your interests lie and, you know, you sort of, you play to your strengths. You know, this is what I'm good at. This is what I enjoy doing. So I'm, I'm going to do that. And, and, you know, if you can find somebody that uh, will pay you to do that, where you can make a living, that that's even better, you know? So yeah, that that's, it, it's a simple philosophy, but it's one that, seems to sort of get away from people and, and I don't quite understand why. I think a lot of simple things kind of escape us. And when, when they put the rat race around us, you know, it's like, you feel like you only have the time to eat, work, sleep, and shower. Everything else, feelings, <laughs> no uh, wants, no Desires, no goals, no work, sleep, eat, sleep, shower. Repeat. Yeah. And I, I mean think think of how how hollow that that makes you as a person. I mean, you're we're not 
connecting. You know, I mean, you're you're kind of in your own little bubble doing your own thing, and but you're not you're not having relationships. You're not having you know uh, deep conversations with friends because I, I sorry I don't have time to talk to you right now. I got to do you know. I got to go to sleep or I got to do this or I got to do that. And, you know, it's amazing how much more you can do if you decide what's really important in your life and not, you know, I mean, I'm not saying everybody can work for themselves. I I don't think that's necessarily the case, but, you know, you've got to decide again. I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. What are your values? What, what, what means something to you? And then, focus your goals around those. And, and like I said, I think a lot of people just make goals, but they don't have any kind of a foundation to support them. And as a result, they're doing exactly what you said. You know, they get up, they go to work, they come home, they eat, they shower, they sleep, and they do it again. Kind of like, a, you know, a, a mouse on a, on a wheel, just going around and around and around. Exactly. And I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take it to Cincinnati real quick because you keep you keep dropping these key phrases, what's important, what's important, what's important. So uh there's a high school in Cincinnati, it's called Saint Xavier. Uh do you know of it? I do. So uh do you know uh coach Steve Speck? I do not. Okay, well he's like a football coach there and um one of the like big like phrases and like you know like mottos for the team that he trains is win and it stands for what's important now and it's like i didn't play football but i always saw that saying plastered on the classroom walls and it was like yeah i really like that what's important that's how you win and like you said when you really double down quadruple down on the things you're good at and focus on those you might have something. And I feel like, you know, that's that's what I'm really doing in life right now. It's like, okay, I'm doing what I have to do for money and then allocating all all of my free time to building this dream. And and that's important. It's important for all of us to have dreams, you know, to have goals and things that we want to do. And, and you know, again, I think it goes back. If, if you define your values, your goals, your dreams kind of fall into place because, you you know, obviously if, you know, if you didn't like chemistry, but you had to work in chemistry, you probably wouldn't be very happy. But if you really liked chemistry and you had to work in chemistry, you'd probably find that enjoyable. So I, I you know, I think it's important that we determine, um, and I'm going to mess this up. There was there was an architect way back in like the 1950s. His great name. His name was Buckminster Fuller, and he had a saying about people when they would ask him about what their lives should be. And I'm and I'm going to mess this up a little bit, but I'm, I think I'm going to get the gist of it. He said, you know, what's out there that I either have an interest or some talent for that if I don't do it, won't get done. And that's what he would tell people. It's like, go find that. Go find that thing that's out there that interests you or that you have some talent in doing that if you didn't do it, wouldn't get done. And make that, you know, your your career and, and see how that goes for you. And I, I think it goes back to these are things that I enjoy. These are things 
that I am good at. These are my talents. These are my gifts. And I'm going to use those, you know, to one, make money for me and my family, but two, to make a difference in the world, to, to find, find my purpose and live that purpose. And I think if you do, and again, probably somebody coming to the end of his life, I think if you do find your purpose and live it, death is not nearly as scary as opposed to those people who, who never do anything with their lives. They're, there was a Native American Blackfoot proverb years ago that I heard that goes like this. It says, when you were born, you cried and the world rejoiced. Live your life in such a way so that when you die, the world cries and you rejoice. That's what I want. That's what I'm looking for. Mm, that's powerful. And I think on that note, that's a good time to end the episode. Sounds like a plan. I appreciate you coming through today, Terry. Well, Matthew, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. I, it's always good to connect with another fellow Cincinnatian and, uh, you know, kind of a small world. And I, I was glad I was able to be on your podcast today. Ooh, okay. Right before we end it, let me ask you, Gold Star or Skyline? Skyline. <laughs> okay, I'll rock with it. I like Skyline. So, you know, for everyone out there, man, oh, it's going to Hey, I mean, you know, it's Cincinnati. It's a Cincinnati thing for those that don't know. You you, you got to come to Cincinnati and try the chili. It's like 50,000 different chili spots in Cincinnati, but there's only oh, yeah. one king. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Lavender Water Podcast. I have been Matthew Williams, your host, and this has been my guest, Terry Tucker. Matthew, thanks for having me on. I really enjoyed it. And uh, I always say it's good people like you that allow me to come on and tell my story. And hopefully between our conversation, we're going to make a positive difference in somebody's life. And if we do, today's been a good day. Yes, sir. I appreciate you. You have a good day. Thank you. You do the same. Get some sleep. <laughs> For sure. Peace. All right. Take care. You too. Thanks.